Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Hello, good evening, everyone. We're back, and of course, this is a Wednesday night, or Tuesday night, I believe. (laughs) It's Wednesday over there in Australia. Um, we were doing a special show with Chris from the Australian Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, and we're going to be going into that in-depth here in a few minutes. Kaz will be joining us shortly. She's running a little behind, so she'll be on here also. Um, we got a lot of things to discuss tonight. One of the things in that ad that just ran uh, where it says, you know, the courts unfortunately don't have enough money, enough funding to audit cases. Why would you set up an arbitrary tertiary system and not fund it properly to make sure that things were running the way? See, it was all part of the plan. People keep talking about fixing it, fixing it. You cannot fix this. It is not broken. It is operating exactly the way they intended it to. You're trying to fix something that isn't broken. It needs to be abolished. This is a system of human slavery. Just because people aren't in the fields picking cotton makes it no less slavery. They are being used for their assets. They are being farmed out to nursing homes that abuse and neglect them, drug them endlessly. Physical abuse occurs on a regular basis, and the nursing home makes money. The guardian makes money. The court makes money. And that's another thing. Every time a motion is brought in front of one of these probate, probate tribunals, that hearing examiner, that is not a judge of the law, that is a hearing examiner or ministerial clerk, gets a cut of the value of the estate. And on the East Coast, it's 2 to 3%. As you move west to California, it's 5 to 6%. They make money. They are also contracted to and being paid by the very agencies we're fighting. So how do you think you're going to get a fair deal there? And as far as competency goes, you rig the, the system so that only approved psychiatrists or doctors can render these incapacity uh, issues instead of having someone who is neutral uh, bringing someone in who isn't part of the system and having them conduct these tests they're not about to let that happen I keep bringing up and I'll bring it up again about a case we had some years ago where we got the documents on it and here the determination of incapacity was based on a letter from a psychiatrist that had never seen the victim never seen them, and said in the letter, based on what I've been told, this person is bipolar. If this doesn't work, 
let me know, and I'll write you up something else. If this doesn't make your stomach turn, and how many of our elderly people are caught in this system? The whole thing is rigged. This is one of the things that hits families when they first come into these tribunals, is that it is a rigged system. It was all decided before they ever stepped foot in the door. That hearing examiner, the guardian, the guardian's attorney, agency representatives are all working together. The victim is not allowed to speak, mount any defense. Their own personal attorney that they may have had for many years is fired and replaced by one provided by the court who can be depended upon to go along with everything that's happening. They do the same thing with personal physicians. They fire your personal physician, someone who's been treating you, knows your health history, knows very well that you're either incapacitated or still have capacity. They get rid of them, and they bring in one of their henchmen who will go right along with whatever the tribunal says. This is a rigged system. It was set up to be rigged against you. You don't stand a chance, not a chance in these tribunals. Um, we have seen, I don't know, I've done over 2,000 shows now, the most of them devoted to guardianship or the abuses thereof, and the family still suffering from this horrendous, horrendous system. And this is happening right under the noses with full knowledge of our legislators, both federal and state, our governors, the president, the DOJ, and whomever else might be involved. Nobody will lift a finger to stop it. And some people are asking, well, why? Why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it? If this was going on, why wouldn't they stop it? Because that money in Social Security is key to everything. Social Security, if it had been left alone, the surplus alone would have funded it for another 75 years. But that money was all taken. It was first accessed by President Johnson during the Vietnam War to fund that war. It has been tapped by every president since then and used for all sorts of goodies. And they have gotten down to where they're now getting into the principle. Here a few years ago, someone said they had to loan um, Social Security $1.5 billion, that's with a B, um, to keep it solvent, and that's why it doesn't work. $1.5 billion was donated or ascribed to Child Support Recovery, Title 4D. This is administered by Social Security, but is not part of the Social Security program. And that was to fund child support recovery. That was to allow the federal government to buy access in the state. And once the state accepted the money, now they're on the hook for what is commonly known as the business plan. And the business plan is absolutely the stuff of nightmares. But because you took the bribery money, you have to go along with it. Uh, they call it funding. You, we know what it is. It's bribery. So this is a game that they play with the public. Most people don't do any research. Most people don't look into anything. Um, they talk about tinfoil hat where, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, you're this, you're that. Well, I've got documents, and I've done the research. I've got the proof. I pulled the law. Here it is. 
What may, why, why does that make me a conspiracy theorist? But they don't have an answer for that. One of the things I have found in writing, and I've been writing for many years. I used to have a column with the St. Cloud Times in Minnesota. But one of the things I found angers people more than anything is when you write an article and you document it and you link it and resource it to the documents you're talking about. I was taught this by an editor to do this to fend off the naysayers. And what I found was when I stated the law, showed the section, this is exactly what it says, here's where it's at, people got mad. And the reason they got mad is one thing with no information is say, oh, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about if you didn't provide any evidence or proof. But when you provide the evidence, the documents, the proof, they're angry because when you have knowledge, you are required to act on that knowledge, and they didn't want to. And that made them madder than hell. So we document everything. We have all these supposed laws coming out that are going to save the day. Oh, it's an improvement, an improvement. I don't want to talk improvements. I want to talk eradication. Get rid of this system. Put these cases back into state civil courts where you have to follow the rules of evidence, the code of civil procedure. You have to produce your evidence. You can't just stand up and say something and it be taken as though it came from the word of God. You have to show evidence and proof of the charges you are levying. They don't have to do this in probate. They can say anything they want, and it is never questioned. They never produce any evidence. They are never asked for any evidence. Kangaroo court. And it is set up specifically to target, to capture, to isolate, medicate, steal the estate, and eventually terminate the individual. You don't stand a chance. Uh, We have seen families separated from their loved ones, their mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whomever. And that person died alone when the family desperately wanted to be with them. But thanks to these predatory guardians, they couldn't. Uh, They were prohibited. They were isolated. They couldn't have any visitors. They couldn't have a phone. Most of them can't even have a TV. They lay in absolute silence, locked in these rooms. And on occasion, somebody beats the crap out of them, but that's okay. It is one of the sickest, most perverse systems. Now, my biggest problem with this and all of this is many of the people I've dealt with were church-going members. And I have contacted their churches. Many of them have been the members of the same church for 20, 30, 40 years and said, your parishioner, your member of your congregation is in terrible straits in this situation, and they need your support. They need you to step up and help. They need you to be there for them. Oh, we can't, without exception, this is what I, that's political and we can't get into, no, that's humanitarian. That's what you're supposed to be about. Oh, no, it's political and and we'll lose our tax-exempt status if we get in that. Honest to God, if this isn't enough to make you run away from these churches, I don't know what is. You're not going to get much there anyway. Anyway, that's my opinion. And um, But it's just, this has gone on and on and on. As bad as it is here in the U.S., 
it is equally, if not worse, in Australia. They are running wide open, um, kidnapping people, isolating them, stealing estates. It is happening at a rapid rate. And our guest tonight is Christine Dallas. She heads up the Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administration Abuse, Administrative Abuse, known as ASGA. They can be found on Facebook. I have a direct link to them in the promo. So be sure and check that out. And this is a tightly run group, and um, they they work hard. Um, Chris, are you with us? Good evening, Marty. Good evening, everyone, and good morning to our Australian listeners. How are you, Marty? Oh, I'm old and cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like that here at the moment. That's okay. Stuck in Melbourne. In, 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 the, yeah. in the, the the lockdown city, I think of the lockdown world. I think it's the it's um, look, Marty. You've really succinctly explained the guardianship system to a T. I don't think anyone can really add to it, and I do agree with 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 what you said in regards to churches, but any particularly charities here in Australia. We have many uh, charity organisations that are supposed to help the the homeless, the vulnerable. We had a story last week um, run in the ABC. It was a great story by, um, I call her now a guardianship reporter. She tackles aged care and guardianship, and she's really really great in terms of exposing what's actually happening in guardianship. And uh, it's the tip of the iceberg. I think she realises, and a lot of the other journalists realise, it really is a coordinated effort. It really, why is Australia the, and I, I really believe Australia is the worst in terms of guardianship. It's because our governments run this racket. This is not, this is a collusive effort by state and territory governments. Um, doctors, as we know, go to doctors, lawyers are fully aware, not all lawyers obviously, but those in the game, and they are professionals. And, and, yes. and we've got social workers and, and we call NDIS this insurance scheme that we have at the moment. And they really are, this is a professional white collar cartel. That's all it is. And yes. it's a David and Goliath battle. We see it all the time. We see that, Marty. And, 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 and often the evidence that they present is not evidence. It's the opinion of five to ten so-called reputable, you know, professionals ganging up on a victim or their family and I had a lady on the phone yesterday she said I need my son back and you see these reports there are at least five or six so-called professionals that are actually you know insisting her son stay under guardianship no evidence has been presented one individual that is not even qualified has you know, accused this poor lady or, or made an allegation that she suffers from some type of mental disorder that wants, you know, that, you know, what she wants, she basically wants to harm her child. And we're seeing all these reports, no evidence, but they submit these so-called statements as evidence and the tribunal accepts these ridiculous, unfounded allegations as evidence. And I agree, right. the, the, the cause of this, Marty, is the Attorney General's office. Our state, it's simple. It's not complex. The government wants to take over your decision-making rights. Look at the power, Marty. 
where you live, who you see, your, your, whether you live or die. Um, we can go down the organ, the organ path, and that's recently come up in one case, which I was quite shocked. I was really shocked about that um, to see that. And then let's, then there's the money side and the legal aspect that they take over. Your government here is taking over all of that, all of that power. And people then ask us, but why would they do that? That's power. That is the ultimate control that governments, you know, and, and kings and queens and the whole lot of them, you know, generations, decades, centuries ago, that's the power to control the human asset to control us and they do it look it's a really you've got to hand it to the Marty they're really it's a really well thought out system from start to end there's no escape once you're targeted well not that there's no escape but escape is difficult and it is it is by design this is not an accident these tribunals are great for first world problems you know the warranties and we've discussed that before but you know, governments have seen their value. They've seen that value in, hey, we can take over people's lives under the guise of protecting them. Let's demonise them. Let's pay millions of dollars to, you know, in advertising revenue and start a campaign on elder abuse. We see that often. And now we've got coercive control and, and abusive parents. And so if you're targeting a child, a disabled child, easy way, you, you, you just... You know, say that the mother's an abusive mother. If you're targeting um, an elderly person, well, that's simple. You just uh, call the children elder abusers. You don't need evidence in this system. Uh, and the new money, the new money that's coming up. Now, it's not just NDIS. We're seeing women who are divorcing their husbands or men who are divorcing their wives. And the public trustee steps in and have stepped in in two cases under this coercive control that the woman is vulnerable or the man is vulnerable and they're stepping in and what do they do? They charge the estate or whatever money's there. So we're seeing, you know, a new angle now and it's coming up more and more. So it's not just the mum and dads sitting on a house, an idle asset that they want. They're now looking at other revenue streams and this is our government. This is the Australian state and territory that's, organizing this little system and it's a lot of money 3.5 trillion dollars in 10 years will transfer to the next generation and our state and territory governments that are broke our hospitals are failing us here our ambulances are failing us here um, we have a system called medicare that's now been stripped back there's no money well there is money it's just been yeah. appropriated basically yeah. right and um they're looking at you. And when I tell people, they, they, they tell me, well, why would they do this? You're sitting on money. Or, alternatively, they don't want that access to that house. You're a cost to the system. There's a yes. lady in, um, in, yeah, in Tasmania. Yep, she twice. She called the ambulance. Bang, she's under guardianship and she's in a, in a nursing home. Now, why have they placed Gil in a nursing home? Because they don't want her accessing social services. They don't want you going to the hospital every week. They don't want you tapping into chemo or to tapping into uh, occupational therapists or physiotherapists. That's a cost to the state. So when you become a cost to the state, you're not going to escape guardianship. 
and your government will place you under guardianship. They will gag you and they will silence you and you'll be you'll be just another number. And I've yet to meet a person in the last six years, what, five, six years that ASGAR has been operating that is actually happy under public guardianship. I haven't right. met anyone that's told me, Chris, I'm happy. I'm happy I have a public guardian. I'm happy that the public trustees look after my affairs. I have met families that that have conflict and said, look, it was the only alternative, and I understand that. But I've never, I've yet to meet a victim, and I'd love someone to call me and tell me I'm they're ecstatic being under public guardianship because we have not met such a person. What we do here, Marty, people crying over the phone, upset. Um, we've seen people suicidal. I had a gentleman the other day say, I'm going to end my life, Christine. I'm going to kill myself. Why are people being oh, driven wow. to this point? They're driven to this point of suicidal thoughts, and it's real to them. It's real. They yes. feel this. And I feel it. Like, I go to bed sometimes, and my, I say to my husband, you know, I hate, like, I love Australia. The, it's a beautiful country, lovely people. But our bureaucracy, our politicians, they're horrible. The whole system is horrible. It doesn't work. It doesn't, there's, no. it's failing left, right and centre. It's just, it's almost like we're witnessing some type of, you know, economic decline and we're just, just witnessing it in front of us. It's, it's really that well, bad. And to know that your state is behind all this or your territory, yes. uh, and it's not individual. I don't attack individual guardians. I've, I've got a list of names that these names, these guardians, these doctors, they all appear in other cases, you see that network of the same tribunal member. And, and and I have to add, there are some tribunal members that you can see that they've got a conscience, that they, they you know, they, they're they far and few between, but they're actually, they're not bad people, they're, they're, but they've got a job to do. And their job is basically, this is it. Now, I've met some, I've had two sort of run-ins with two members that are just really vile really vile members. I don't even know how they've been appointed. Um, two of them are actually, though, in Queensland. They're just really, just vile. They're just, you know, just, they don't even hide it. They don't even hide what they're doing. Um, you know, and it's, um, it, it, I believe there's a ramping up of this. So really, I think they realise the public are becoming more aware of what is actually occurring. And there seems to be almost that, really intense drive to snatch as many victims as they can. I don't know I, I don't know whether it's because this is being exposed more and it's the same speed and we I believe there's more sort of stories out there or there's a ramping up of capturing people but it just seems to me there's been an you know a shift and there's been an increase in mm -hmm. cases. I don't know. I, that's well, what we're seeing. Well, and it's the same here uh with this covid mess. Uh, which is only all COVID is is a cold, maybe the flu, but they ramped it up and they came out with this vaccine and of course they went right into the nursing homes with it. They were killing people left and right with it, and supposedly, uh, somewhere around six hundred thousand, I read on the CDC site, elderly people have succumbed to it. These are people who were on Social Security. 
And like I say, they've been tapping into Social Security here for the last 50 years. And the the thing is, just like you take someone like me, Chris, I paid into that system from the time I was 14 years old. That's when I got my first Social Security card. Now they issue them at birth. But I got my card when I was 14, and I have worked steadily up until two years ago since then. And I paid into that system whether I wanted to or I didn't, whether my kids needed it or didn't. We paid into that and Medicare. And now for them to tell me, oh, it might go broke. There is no conceivable way mathematically had it been left alone. Social Security could go broke. It couldn't happen. But what they've done, and they've done the same thing there in Australia. They have divvied it out to illegal immigrants. In this country, do you know if you're an illegal immigrant and you sneak in the country and you work someplace and you can prove that you worked three quarters? Now, I had to prove that I worked 12 quarters to, in order to get my Social Security. But an illegal immigrant working under a fake name or a stolen identity can work only three quarters, run back to Mexico, and collect full benefits of Social Security as long as they can prove that was them. Their family has access to benefits also. The largest Social Security office in the world is sitting dead in the middle of Mexico City. Um, they have used that money for anything and everything and left these worthless IOUs in the U.S. Treasury that they have no way of paying back. And that's the issue, and you're having the same issue there. It was easy enough to yeah, take yeah. the money. You leave an IOU, but you have no way of paying it back, and in fact, you never intended to. And so what they're doing is killing off the claimants, people who are on Social Security or could become eligible for Social Security are being done away with. The other thing I know about this country, too, is 10 years ago, the elderly, that's people over 65 in this country, owned 63% of all the real wealth. Okay, that's land, assets, all that. They owned it outright. 10 years later, only 23%. This is how much they've stolen from these people. This is how much. And now we're getting talk, Chris, about um, it isn't right for people to inherit property and cash and stuff. That's not right. Well, who should get it then? And the argument is, well, they didn't work for that. Well, but their parents did or their grandparents did. Why shouldn't they inherit it? People have always inherited. Yeah, but so where's it going to go if it doesn't go to the beneficiaries? Well, of course, it goes back to the state. and But see, you have the same problem there that we have here. The biggest enemy you face is sitting in government. And the, these are the, the people. People talk about, you know, we could get a foreign terrorist. Don't worry about foreign terrorists. They might blow something up, yes. But the people you need to be afraid of are sitting in D.C., these are the people that can hurt you, have hurt you, and will continue to hurt you as long as the money keeps dropping in their account. And they don't care. Um, the, the Medicare program here, this is admitted by the government. Bilks Medicare, med, the medical industry, Bilks Medicare out of 30 to $60 billion a year, year after year. 
And instead of going after those people and cleaning that up, they're coming after the beneficiaries and getting rid of them. Now, there's something wrong in all of this. Um, I notice here Kazi has joined us. Kaz, you there? I am here. Yeah. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Yep, just fine. Just fine. All right. Yeah. Thanks she for having me. And hello, in. Chris. Hi, Kaz. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm sorry it was a little mm-hmm. bit late getting on. Busy baking. No, I love seeing your, I love seeing your <laughs> cakes online. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, we're doing lots of cakes. Yeah. <laughs> if yes, only I could ship to Australia. Yeah. Oh, yes, that'd be gorgeous. I love them, love them. <laughs> but, yeah, so because you've been listening here, and, of course, you've had yeah. your own case going and all these years. Um, it, it just absolutely – you know, I wondered, because in your case where the inheritance, I think it was $22 million, but most of it in artwork, wasn't it? No, that is the um, – that's the Barnes, the Barnes Foundation. That was a couple billion, I think $2 billion. No. No, okay. it was $25 billion. You're right. It was in the – that yeah. was the Barnes – um, and that was Rob. Where ours was yeah. just like five million that they took from Harvey. Just, yeah. just five. That's yeah, just five million. But See, yeah, twenty-five billion dollars. Judge Ott yeah. reinterpreted you... a will and gave yeah. all the artwork to the city of Philadelphia. So, oh, so why can't they sue them for theft? You know, There's a see, whole documentary about that happening. It's called The Art of the Steel. I mean, it's wow. just like you can even do a documentary on Otholes, and they still get away with it. They're untouchable. Wow. They're untouchable, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's discouraging. Like, why, why are we trying? They are so untouchable. Yes. Well, you know, that's Probably like Fauci. Right? Yeah, Fauci mm-hmm. uh, just gave notice that he's resigning, effective December. And everybody yes. said, well, it's finally, you know, oh, babe, we're rid of him. No, you're not rid of him. Um, he's going to be working either in some other agency in the government or with one of their companion corporations. He isn't going anywhere. But the reason and he the resigned, big retirement. Yes, this is it. The reason he resigned is if you are holding a public office like that and you have accrued benefits like retirement benefits and other things, if you get charged with a crime, you lose all those benefits. So what they do is give them a heads up, and they tell them resign, and that way you can keep everything, even if you go to prison. And we've seen this happen. Tony took of uh, of with the BLM, same thing. Uh, he got caught for sexual harassment and all kinds of stuff, and they let him resign and then charged him so that he keep all of his benefits. We saw it happen in Minnesota, the head of human services who wasn't doing his job. And he was allowed to resign before any charges were filed against him and so they can keep all their benefits. But Fauci isn't going anyplace. Why he isn't being frog-marched into prison on crimes against humanity, I want to know. Him and Gates with him. But uh, anyway, but that's how they do it. They have that old system rigged so that they still profit even, even if they are dragged into court. They still profit. Now, this is a sick system, and it's, yeah. it's, self, it's self-protecting. 
and this is what I say, the people you need to fear are sitting in those seats in Congress. Um, I I don't know if you know, Chris, but they just passed a, oh, my God, what was it, a $700 billion bill, uh, Build Back Better. It's going to bankrupt the country. But who's going to pay the bill on it? Taxpayers. Mm -hmm. And um, There's a fame, isn't there, a worldwide fame? Yes. A worldwide fame. There's a worldwide fame of bankruptcy that's looming in each country. but. But when you look at this, Marty, when you look and you really, I, I strongly recommend, there was a John Perkins, uh, Diary of an Economic Hitman. I really, I followed and he wrote a book and it was a really good book and he actually worked for the, for, for the US government. And these decisions involve private hedge funds. There's, we have the government, yes. which is there governing, but there are, the decisions are being made and profiting private hedge funds. And what actually happens is any country that has a resource, now Australia has many resources, so any country that has a resource, what they do intentionally, you know, we're watching as well, in particular in Victoria, how our government is spending billions of dollars of money we don't have. We just, not that we don't have it, it's yep. due to mismanagement. We do have money. Um, when you look at the financials of government, which I can read and I've, I've prepared in the past, in other jobs that I've had, and um, and I looked at cha- I look at charities in particularly, and you actually see there is money there. When you look at the finer points and the notes, you see a lot of this money is outsourced either into salaries, other related parties, or just distributed elsewhere. And you look at this and you think, well, how can they be allowed to do this? Well, it's by design. When a country is bankrupted, like America. For Australia, these private hedge funds, and you only need to look at Europe, what happened in Europe 13 years ago in, in Greece, um, the debts are written off and the private hedge funds come in and say, okay, we want your airports, we want your roads, we'd like your hospitals, and they take over the real assets. So it's paper debt being transferred into physical assets. That's a reality. It's not a conspiracy theory. That's just a fact. Um, it's very complicated for the for the general public to understand. But just think of it this way: you you owe on paper a debt, and I saw this in Greece. So the EU, for instance, will levy a debt on, say, America, a paper debt, but the payment back will be back in real assets to these private hedge funds. And that happened with the airport in Greece. So the airport was transferred directly to a private, I think it was a Canadian hedge fund. This is how they work. This is the game. This is the contract. This is how they make money. You and I are not part of this. We're the victims of this. South America has been, excuse me, raped in financially in this way. And it's coming to a state near you. All these states will be bankrupted. And these resources, the public assets, will be transferred to the private hedge funds. That's that's the game. That's the end game. Um, Wow. And we're seeing Medicare. We have Medicare in Australia, and it's and it should be funded. We pay a percentage in our in our income tax that goes yes. towards that, and it's and it's designed for anyone off the street. Anyone can go and access a doctor, and you should be able. And I support that. I think that's a great system, but it's been bankrupted by mismanagement by our federal government. The money's not going where it should go. 
And that too, what we're seeing now is I went to the doctor the other day just for a general cold and I had to pay. That facility should be there for free. I now have to pay to see a doctor. So why am I being taxed? And, you know, going back to what you said, Marty, regarding the COVID deaths, we saw a lot of people, a lot of elderly die in aged care in the last two years. The issue is why did they die? We can't actually tell you because families were denied access to seeing their right. loved ones. They were denied all that. So we're seeing fraud in government. We're seeing, the, and I, I call it, look, it's a, it's a soft kill of our, our most vulnerable who are across yes. to the system. But this inheritance as well, this is new, you know, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. It, it's actually a real sort of concept that's being touted that really, you know, you know, you shouldn't leave anything to your children. You shouldn't leave it. I want, what I've worked for, I want to go to my children. There's nothing right. wrong in right. passing on your assets to your family. There's nothing wrong in inheriting. No one, I, I see this time and time again when I deal with guardianship, a lot of families, they feel guilty that, you know, they're made to feel guilty that they're after their parents' money or whatever. No, they're entitled to argue. Yes. They're beneficiaries. There's nothing wrong in in speaking up in regards to, um, you know, inheriting an asset. I only have an issue on deathbed wills. I'm against them. Yes. I've seen families engage in this. I've seen strangers. I've seen the trustees. They move people into state and they change their wills, you know, a week or two before they die. It is, that should be outlawed. I don't associate with people that engage in that behaviour. Um, I, 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 I'm so against it. I think it's the most, you know, I mean, imagine putting a pen in someone's hand as they're dying and changing their will. I think it's the most <laughs> disgusting act. Um, I don't understand. Look, I'm sure it's, there's some criminality somewhere, but... Um, I'm not really versed up on the law, but I think it's the most appalling thing. We're seeing that time and time again. Five cases in the last six months have been presented to me by families that this has happened to. We're seeing that as well. So it's not just about inheritance now, Marty. We're seeing right. people at the last minute as your parents are dying, signing them up or your or your uncle or auntie or whatever, signing them up to new legal documents. The trustees are doing this. Neighbours are doing it. We had a case last week where a neighbour did this. We've had, I've seen, every, look, anyone, it's, you know, it's an open sort of field. It's a disgusting tactic and yet we're seeing it more and more. And I, I just feel that if you're vulnerable at this point in time and you're sitting on even a basic home, you're at risk. You're at risk from the government yeah. in Australia. You're at risk by your neighbour. You're at risk by anyone. You could, that, that rat bag child, yeah, they exist too. But let the good family take over. Let the good carers, based on evidence, take over and look after your family. But we're not seeing yeah. that. The system's encouraging conflict. It's almost they want it. They want people to fight yes. so they can just be justified. Instead, like Marla did in I Care A Lot. You know, I come in because I care. No, they don't. They get paid. They, they, they charge your estate, yeah. they take your money, they, take, they shut down your bank accounts, they close them off, they transfer all that money to their accounts, they charge a sizable fee, 
And they do it. I'm not against guardianship, Marty. You know that. I'm not against administration. Right. People do decline. People do need protect, protection from themselves sometimes. But why should the state step in when there are loved ones? Why should the state step in and take over? Right. I, look, also, I, I've always said it. Australia is the guardianship ring. They have perfected, the cartel have perfected it here so well, so well, and it's almost textbook. You're identified, your rights are quickly removed from you, almost textbook, isolated, drugged, yeah. denied, bank accounts are shut, doctors working in sync with the guardians. You see it, we see the same names. And then the system slows down, you can't escape. The appeals process, you can't escape that process. In Australia, once you're under guardianship, you need a change of circumstance, a reason. Now, if the original reason is based on fraud, you cannot appeal that decision, which right. is ridiculous. In a courtroom, you can appeal on an error of fact or law. In Australia, only on an error of law. Now, if the legislative arm of government is involved in this, you pretty much know that they've stitched up that legislation, which is what they're doing. And the interpreters, the tribunals, interpret the section that give them that control. They'll find that section that suits them for the state's outcome. We see it, and we see it time and time again. It's really frustrating when, when you know, you really have a, a case that would win in court and you'd say, come on, you know, this person has not harmed their loved one. Let, you know, allow them to look after their child or their mother. And the adjudicator says, no. You know, the gavel hits. Sorry, the state takes over. It really is a rubber stamp process. I, I don't know where you go to live. I mean, I, it's almost frightening that you have to prepare. Your wills will not be honoured. Your powers of attorney won't be honoured. You know, being married doesn't save you. Having children, nothing. They've, they've, they've no. really worked it all out. It, it does. It's, 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 you know, it's brilliant, really. If you're a sociopath, Marty, it's a brilliant system. It is. And... Uh, you know, that that's the thing that, that bugs me in all of this. You know, like I said, I'm getting messages here now. We just need to fix the system. I don't know how many times I have to say it. You can't fix what isn't broken. It's operating exactly as they intended. It, it, there's nothing broken about mm -hmm. it. It needs to be abolished. Um, yep. You talk about, you know, property and so on. Uh, during the well, to fund the Iraq War, Condoleezza Rice was sent to China to borrow money because the World Bank wouldn't loan us any. And the only thing the World Bank will loan money for is land from anybody. And China said, no, they wouldn't loan us any more money. So Rice goes over there, strikes a deal with them, and she hypothecates, which means <coughs> she put up our land, our assets, as collateral on the money they borrowed. This is another thing that figures into this. When you get back to where Hillary Clinton was sent over there, and I can't even remember I was at Obama or something, uh, sent over there to hypothecate again, meaning they put up your land and your assets, and people have said to me, oh, they can't do that because you own your land. If you paid it off, you've owned it, you've got title. Read your title. It says you are a tenant, not the owner. You are a tenant on the land, and the IRS has first rights to your property in perpetuity. You don't own jack shit. 
and you're just going to keep paying for it. And even when you pay that mortgage off, try not paying the property tax, the rental fee, which is what it amounts to, on that same property you think you own for four years, miss the taxes, and they will come take it from you and sell it. China now owns 60% of all of our home mortgages. We are being parceled out and sold off. Now, what I see happening, Chris, is first off getting rid of the elderly people who own the majority of what's being raffled away. And this is the land and houses and so on is going to these vultures. And but they this is this is a, a multi pronged attack because it also gets them off the social security rolls. Of course they're mm-hmm. adding more every day as we watch the border run wide open. But <laughs> They they want rid of us. They want rid of us so bad we are what's referred to as useless eaters. Um, I think Henry Kissinger was famous for saying that first. It's been echoed many times since. Uh, We had that doctor on CNN here last year who stood right up and said nobody should want to live. This was considering concerning euthanasia. No one should want to live past the age of 75. What's the point? Well, you go first, Doc. You go first. Um, Isn't he 75 now? I think he is. Yes. Yes, I think he's in his 70s now. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. We might have to send him a little reminder. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, you know, one of the things, too, Marcia Southwick and I have um, been working on and done some broadcasts on, and um, she has done some stellar research on this is the selling of body parts. And many times, Chris, what we found was people would have funeral plans already paid for in the, you know, all preparations made. And you get a guardian, and the guardian discards those. They don't want those. They're going to do something else. Now, why would you do that? And then when the person passes away, they don't notify the family for weeks or sometimes a month or more that that person has passed away. Excuse me, and that they had them cremated, and I uh, submit that what they had cremated is what was left of them, because they are parceling these bodies out. They are selling arms and legs and spines and heads and necks and everything, selling it out. So they have found a way to profit from these people after causing them untold miseries. Uh, this trauma-based bonding that we have talked about, the abuse, yeah. the neglect, the unnecessary drugging, the theft of everything they ever owned or thought of owning. And in the end, the coup de grace is we're going to hack you up and sell you off a piece at a time. The, I mm-hmm. swear we are at the mercy of ghouls. These people, they they are not human beings in the sense that you and I are. They are not. They cannot be. Well, and yeah. Well, I- well, yeah. I know you think I'm crazy, but that's all right. I, no, I no, firmly no. I, believe I, I thought, these people are, no, I, they're, they're something you know, else. I, I thought, look, Marty, we've had this discussion privately, and I, when when we discussed organs, and I and years ago we said, I thought, Marty, look, you, you, you're going a bit out, it's a bit out there, right? I saw last year and this year two cases of young individuals on life support and I actually saw 
One was in Queensland, one was in New South Wales. And I actually saw a doctor's note on both these reports, different doctors, saying the heart and the liver can be used. I saw yep. this. And the, and the family in one case in New South Wales, we, ASGA actually supported the parents in that case privately. We didn't want it to go, you know, public. We, we, we sort of yeah. talked about it, but not too much. And they, they sent me the notes. They sent me the doctor's notes. And it really sort of, I stopped for a minute because I deal with, look, I need to see it. Otherwise, I'll just say, look, it could be happening, but I'm not sure. But then if I don't see it, then I, I sort of put it in that basket and I think, well, okay. Right. But I saw it, Marty. I actually saw yep. this and it was yep. clear. The heart, the liver can be used wow. to keep the patient alive. Now, the, now yep. what had happened in this case oh my was, God. yeah, this really happened. And and the, the, the father said, Chris, they, they're keeping my daughter alive for her heart. And I just yep. thought this is bizarre, and I and I, I and I thought of our conversations, our private conversations, Marty. And I thought mm-hmm. Marty has touched on this before, and I thought it was like too way out there, like way. But I actually saw it. Now I don't know if there's a money exchange in Australia or anything like that, but there is an organ. And and what they did in this case, because the parents objected to their daughter. Uh, the organs being um, used in this manner, the public guardian was placed to override the oh. parents' decision. Yes. And we then sent a letter to the hospital saying we're aware, our group's aware that this is going on and we will go public with this letter that we have. And then they turned around and they sort of backed off. Um, so they, they let that say. But I sat there and I thought, well, if we didn't step in, and didn't have that 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 doctor confirming that the heart and the liver were viable and keep this young woman alive so we can use these organs and apparently they keep the brain going or the the, the body alive until and they they actually remove and I was like this is just too much um, and the parents objected um, based on their religious background and um, it was simple the guardian stepped in. The Queensland Public Guardian and said, "No, we're stepping in." And I thought, "This is outrageous." And there's no right. Is that the two parents? Is that the and yeah, I saw it. I saw it. Not. I saw it in wow. New South we Wales had, as well. Mm. We had. We had. So it is real. Uh, it is, there is. There is an Bunnish. element of that happening here too. Yeah, we saw had Dr. Burns on Western Australia last year. Oh, sorry. He he had participated in one organ harvesting. And he said, never again. The man was nearly in tears talking about it. Well, it's like when they execute someone and they give them all these shots and everything. People say, oh, that's not fair. They're given an anesthetic and, and they don't feel it. No, they're not given an anesthetic. An anesthetic renders all the organs unusable. They are given a paralytic so that they can't scream or cry out or move or run away. And this is the same thing that they do in organ harvesting. When someone is on life support, they are put on life support for a specific reason. And that is they are trying to sell the organs. And they have to have a blood and tissue match. And they'll keep people because these things are worth a fortune. I'm telling you, an absolute fortune. A kidney, a heart, a liver, a lung, any of this. 
is, is money in the bank, and they will keep people on life support, and all of a sudden they're going to say, we need to stop this. It's because they got a buyer. They got a hit. And they, but the person, uh, if, if the internal organs are deprived of oxygen, according to Dr. Burns, for two minutes or more, they're unusable. This is why they use life support. Why else would you keep someone alive who would otherwise be dead if you didn't? And But they're waiting for a tissue match, a blood match. And he said, I participated in one. And he said the man was given a paralytic. And he said, they said he doesn't feel anything, but they started eviscerating him up the front, cutting him up the front. And his arm flew up and tears started coming out of the corners of his eyes. The man was fully aware of what was happening to him. And, but this you have to, have to understand. These people are not dead. They are not dead. They are fully alive. They, the organs can't, for transplant cannot come from a cadaver. They must come from a living human being. <laughs> and so when you sign up to be an organ donor... You are basically giving them the okay to go ahead and harvest your organs while you are alive. And do you sign up in America? Because it's the reverse here. It's the reverse. Well, see, um, we have to opt out <laughs> or, yeah, or something to well, that see, effect. And that's, the way it is, that's the way it is here. They people think when they go in. It used to be when you got your driver's license that do you want to be an organ donor? No. And that was the end of it. But it isn't that way now. They can still take your organs. But you have to go into the DMV and fill out a special card now that says, don't take my organs. You know? And um, so most people don't know that. They think that they just hit that, no, I don't want to be an organ donor. Uh, Here some years ago, a very close friend of mine passed away suddenly. The family was absolutely beset with people calling, wanting her eyes, wanting this, wanting that, something else. And, well, you know, you need to do the right thing. And they just went to pieces behind this. And uh, But this is how bad. But like I say, Marcia and I have been doing these shows on this. And you know that there is no laws here. I don't know about Australia, but there is no mm-hmm. laws here regarding the transporting of body parts. There is no laws. You can transport whatever you want to. Um, yeah, just have to be in a safe container. Yeah. I've never looked in uh, in terms of. I've never. It never really. When we started guardianship, me and Maria and I, when we sat down, it was predominantly on the elderly being targeted, and we saw, obviously, with NDIS the insurance scheme. You know, there was a value attached on young. Our, our most vulnerable disabled, but our young, and they had no assets. So we thought, well, what, what, what does the system want with them? And naturally, you would think, yeah. well, the system wants them removed. They're a cost. Um, yeah. You know, isolate them in group homes. They always, most definitely, deny the family access into these homes. So no one knows mm-hmm. what's actually going on. And we do see right. that trauma-based bonding, removing of photos. Um, turning the loved one against the mother and the father. We see this often, and uh, mm-hmm. there is a process involved. And I've always wondered, what value do they hold? And then during the COVID period, and I, and I, like I said, I, I look at the numbers and I just look at the law, we saw some 
we saw legislation introduced in Western Australia, which was passed regarding um, guardianship and um, testing, actually testing on those under guardianship. So there was at that time, Big Pharma um, was were looking for, for states in Australia so they could test their, their products. And what better place to, to um, find, you know, victims would be those under public guardianship. So the WA government, the state government, introduced legislation. It's there in writing. This is not a conspiracy theory. It's right there in writing. We, we've carefully documented this, and, and we have a video on it, where the, um, you know, the public guardian, you, your body under public guardianship, they can test. They, can, they yep. can use your body in any manner. And particularly, yes. there was one section, they can remove tissue and organs. And I thought, why right. would you put that in there unless you're intending to do it? I mean, this is in yeah. writing, you know, under the law. And it really, like, we know how easy it is to, to be placed under guardianship, right? But then to think that this complete stranger, someone in an office, that you you know you're the family or the victim has never met is making these life changing decisions about your life or your loved one's life and you cannot escape that and it's really scary that this all exists under the law and that they mm-hmm. can tap into that piece of legislation and we know Marty and we know Cos that basically really trying to escape the guardians and the system is next to impossible they shouldn't have these these, these look. I'm not against voluntary euthanasia. If somebody has decided when they've got, they had capacity that they, you know, they want basically life support turned off, they've had enough, you know, in certain circumstances, that's their choice. But I also support those who, they're Catholic, Jehovah's, who believe, no, where there's life, there's hope. And they want you know, their doctors to do everything possible to keep them alive. I support that as well. But to then, if a family member who says religious and believes, no, the doctors have an obligation to keep our loved one alive, and then the, the doctor says, no, I'm sorry, well, you know, that's their core wish. And we are, I think at the end of the day, if you've, even if you have money, when it comes, we're, we're, all, we're all going to become vulnerable, right, at some point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're right. lucky to, to pass away in our sleep. If we decline slowly, to know that there's a system in place targeting you or your loved one, I think it's horrendous. I think it's a violation yeah. of human rights. I mean, you don't have to like everything. Like we talk about protesting, we talk about all of this. You don't have to agree with everything. But people have a right to 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 live. They have a right. It's almost as we we've become the elderly are a problem. No, they're a yes. library. They're a source. They're yep. a library. They've witnessed history. They, they, that's a wonderful asset to have. You, you just, hit, you just hit, hit something there, Chris. One of the things, and I found this when I was raising my two granddaughters, when I had a, uh, a civics teacher tell me to my face that I should limit my conversations at home because it made it hard for her to teach her curriculum. And what we were talking about at home was law and the Constitution and wars and this and kind of everything. I, you can imagine my response to her. But anyway, um, this is one of the things they are trying to eradicate 
is our history, which comes from yeah. the elderly people. They don't yeah. want us older people telling these younger people it wasn't always like this. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. This is how it used to be, and this is what they've done. They don't want that history wiped out, shut down, be quiet. Don't talk to your kids about these things. You know, don't do this. Um, grandparents are a wealth of information and wealth of history because they lived it. They lived it, but they don't want those kids to know that. Yeah. Uh, that recent um, where they were stopping kids out on the sidewalk and saying, you know, how do you feel, you know, about older people? What do you think should be? Well, they've had their chance. They need to go on and go. They're using up assets that we need. I got news for you, young blood. I put those assets there. And what I giveth, I can taketh away. And uh, it just, you know, the idea we have been not just marginalized, but almost villainized as though we are some terrible burden uh, on society. They call us the, the, what is it, this silver tsunami. We're something, you know, destructive. Um, Boomers. You're always talking about boomers. And it's appalling. It's it, an appalling. It's yes. appalling. Yes. yes. And instead of respecting, you talk to about people um, not being able to have any say-so over anything when it comes to this organ harvesting and so on. See, what people don't understand here is when you go through probate, you suffer what's called a civil death. And I had people say, oh, you're so crazy, Marty. You don't know what you're doing. Now I yeah. see people talking about civil death. And um, yeah. what that means is you lose the rights to your own name, to identifying your own existence, to handling your own business. You become a non-entity. You are not, you are not in the law a living, breathing human being. You are a, as exactly. we've seen them referred mm-hmm. to, You are a unit, a piece of merchandise, but you are no longer human. And because you are not, they can do whatever they damn well want to with you, and they are doing it. And so you have to understand where this comes from. But they are trying to migrate this into the common law. And um, this is something we have to – and this, you know, I don't know about you, and I know over there in Australia it's the same way, Chris. We have all of these uh, tertiary – legal systems supposed legal systems we have (laughs) the common law that everybody's supposed to abide by and we have administrative law which is a whole different ball of wax and Mm -hmm. and then we have what is it uh, this probate junk Um, Mm -hmm. but we have this we have these different levels Uh, and it's not supposed to be this way the common law is all that you need and if you have to set up a whole entirely different system to regulate what you're doing there's something wrong with what you're doing now that's just the way i see it you shouldn't be doing what you're doing or you wouldn't be trying to find this back door to allow it and contract law that's another one yeah contract law it violates Go ahead. Yeah, they're bypassing the separation. It's the separation of power. So you have, yep. so this guardianship racket that we call it has been set up by government. Okay, the legislative arm, and then they've, they've, we we know in Australia they've been able to influence the executive arm. So the inaction. So the police will act when they want, or enact, or 
you, you have the social workers and the hospitals and so on. But the third arm is the judicial arm, and that's the unpredictable arm because I have seen mm-hmm. judges make the right decision in Australia. When it goes to a proper court, particularly the federal court, they have made decisions in favour of, I call the victim, the guardianship victim or, or the that's family. Awesome. That's and that Yeah, and that's the unpredictable element for the government. But like in the 1940s, what we're seeing is the judiciary here in this country needs to step up in guardianship matters and address it. Because what is actually happening is people believe that these, this, and it's administrative law, it's not common law, right? So it's, they're following pure legislation and it's, they've set up these tribunals to bypass the judiciary. That's why it's difficult to actually appeal to a courtroom, a proper courtroom, because you need right. an error of law. So they've made it that, that just one bit difficult to actually appeal. So, and I'm not a lawyer, but I look, when we study here in accountancy, you have to actually do some law to understand tax law. So it's really the same thing. So what you're looking at is they've, they've bypassed the judiciary and they don't want the judiciary. The judiciary is unpredictable because once a case is established, it becomes a precedent. So if, for example, a, a mother appeals, and we're seeing particularly it's not the elderly anymore they're targeting, they're targeting the young here in Australia. And mothers will be the ones, I believe, that will break this system because they're targeting their children. And women, as we know, are very fierce and loyal when it comes to their children. So yes. we will see this in the in the in a judicial the system very soon. They're appealing these decisions that these guardians are making because they're taking over a mum's role or a father's role. We're seeing both, right? So um, they're targeting that now. The problem with the judiciary, it's unpredictable. They don't want a precedent. So they will, they will, they, we see it often. The minute the case is about to go into the Supreme Court or into another, another courtroom like the federal court in terms of a marriage split, what we see, the top Crown solicitors are employed by the state, okay, to stop that, to quash that appeal. They don't want a precedent. The minute this goes, and it has, a few cases have reached the state level and have reached the federal court, but not enough to say, hey, we have a problem here. That's the biggest problem that we face in Australia, but it's coming out slowly. You see the articles that we post. The journalists are starting to realise, hang on, this could happen to me. It could happen to my husband. It could happen to my children. They're targeting now the young. That's how brazen they are in Australia. The young, 18-year-olds, the minute your daughter, your son, with a mild disability turns 18, the guardians can knock on your door and remove your child and place them into care. This is how simple and how easy it is. And I think, I don't think the elderly will be able to break this. I don't think, I, I, I feel that in this country, it's almost like, oh, they're old. You know, they've lived their life. What do you do? Yeah. Almost this yeah. acceptance of it. Have you seen yeah. that acceptance of whatever? But we're seeing now mum saying, no, I'm the mother of XX. 
and I'm going to fight this. I'm going to mortgage my home. And that's the sad part, seeing mums mortgaging and dads mortgaging their homes to fight the guardians, to fight the trustees, to fight NDIS providers making <coughs> these false allegations. I mean, this is your child. I mean, yeah. you're taking away well, your child. This, this is sick. Now, Marty, you, you're aware of the case of the of the lady and her daughter who have fled, and I can't name the yes. country they fled to. They fled the country. So she contacted me uh, a year ago, told me of her situation, never heard back from her again. And this poor woman calls me up overseas and said, I have done a runner, Chris. I am not coming back to this country ever again. She's seeking asylum from Australia. Yeah. Can you imagine that in the, in the wow. media? And she said, can you be my advocate? Now, I received a call from the police in Western Australia. He was a lovely chap. He just wanted to assure that she was safe and the daughter was safe. They both are safe. But I, I will make this public to the public advocate in Western Australia, Paulina Bagdonna Vickers, or his name or something like that. Um, the, the family are fine, the mother's fine, the daughter's fine. There's no need to send your guardians after her. She's not coming back. Um, she has to seek asylum from Australia, from the guardians. Um, it, it was that she knew what was going to happen. She knew her daughter was going to be removed. She wasn't a fool. She's done nothing wrong. Uh, we're seeing now uh, uh, guardianship being weaponised by ex-partners who are bitter in the divorce, so they knock on the guardian's door and says, hey, I'll take my son or, or daughter, I don't care as long as you punish my ex. We've seen, you know, mothers do this to, to fathers and fathers do it to mothers. It's cruel. It's quite sick to see um, the child being used as a pawn to get back at an ex. But the guardians, you know, love it. It's great, you know. It's... Uh, you know, filling up the, the seats of these um, group homes that have investors um, behind them. I was um, contacted by an NDIS property development company if I wanted to invest in an NDIS home and, um, you know, guaranteed return. And as the, the gentleman said to me, you know, um, we can always fill up these places. There's no end supply of disabled people. That's exactly what wow. he said to me. And um, it is money. It's, it's, it's bums on seats. They're filling up these. Um, it's, it's a profit. Uh, a profit. And who invests in these? I'd love to see the shareholding of these um, NDIS properties yeah. because, you know, it'd be quite murky to see who invests. And there was a report recently, um, a few um, weeks ago, there actually, there's, a, there's now, on 60 Minutes, there was um, a report basically criminal organisations have infiltrated this system. So, you know, there's money to be made. There's money to be made on the elderly. There's money to be made changing wills. There's money to be made on 18-year-olds that are vulnerable. There's just money, money, money. And they really need to stop it. And I, the problem is it's, you know, our government should be protecting us. Yeah. There's a Crimes Act in each state. But they're not protecting us. They're profiting from no. that capture. And it sounds right. conspiratorial, but this is not one case. We no. It's become a full-time job now for me. Every yeah. morning I receive emails nationwide. 
And uh, last week there was the lady in the ABC that was homeless. So she's homeless. She has a house in another state. She's absolutely frightened to go interstate. She cannot reveal her identity under Section 114A of the Queensland um, Guardianship Act. But it doesn't matter, as, as we told the journalist Anne Conley, they, um, QCAD have gagged Asgar many times <coughs> under another section of the Act. So they'll use, um, they'll allow you to use, you know, to speak out now. They're, they're, they're discussing that. So your identity can be, you know, discussed and the journalist can name you. But what the, what QCAT and the other tribunals will do now is they will gag the provider's name. They will gag, uh, the, um, the medical reports. They will uh, place non-disclosure orders on all the other participants. So even if you're successful to get the ear of a journalist in, in Australia and, you know, show your face, you will not be allowed to talk about the charity that's taken advantage of you. You will not be allowed to talk about the individual public guardian, the individual public trustee, the NDIS uh, providers, the doctors. So there's no story. There's no right. story to tell. So the journalists will just toss it away. There's no point showing someone's name or their face and their name right. when everyone else has been gagged. And that happened to me and um, a lo lovely lady I met, her name's Sandra. Um, her son actually does have a disability. She does love him. And we're seeing this often as well now. People who do need a form of guardianship and who do need their parents to protect them in some way from themselves and everyone else, they're being left to their own devices. They're being deemed to have legal capacity. And in this particular case, Sandra and I were gagged under Section 109. Um, a provisional report by a provisional psychologist, that is someone not qualified, was allowed to submit evidence and they redacted their name. So their name was redacted because Asgar are really, really bad people. So the name was redacted and I was there was an order placed over me and an order placed over Sandra. So we're not allowed to talk about the NDIS provider. We're not allowed to talk about the provisional psychologist and a trusted doctor who has treated this lovely boy. His report and his qualified was tossed out. That's what's happening in these tribunals. I fought back, Sandra and I fought back, uh, shocked, horrified how... You know, in two years, the public guardian has refused to, to search for a doctor because they know quite well that the, the, the person in question is impaired and they don't care. Right. I mean, this right. is a closed circuit. And even if right. I took that story right. to the media, there's a gag order from a different section of right. the, the legislation. Right. So, you know, it's almost like they're playing a game. They're trying to appear like, oh, no, we're, we're, we have no issue you know, talking about such and such a case. Well, they do actually. They will redact everything else. Yep. Other yep. than the yep. person's name. Yep. There's no story, Marty. There's no story. But, if you can't talk right. about who's right. the abuser. <laughs> it's, it's, I got, it's I got a, I've got a message here that says all of this could be avoided if people would do estate planning. Go to your attorney oh. or find an attorney who... Okay. okay, let me explain something to you. When anybody that is selling estate plans is operating in fraud, and the reason they are is they know full well that those estate plans aren't worth salt 
in probate. The hearing examiner will cast those aside as if they never existed and hand everything over to that potential guardian and the attorneys. So don't waste your money. Um, The other thing is many of them are databasing. When you go in, I've talked frequently about a a dinner Mm -hmm. that was put on by a law firm uh, and I went to it because it was on a state, how to avoid conservator guardianship. Okay, I'm going to this. So I went in. Before I could go in, there's a table out front with all kind of papers on it, young lady standing out there. And she goes, ma'am, um, ma'am, you need to fill this out before you go in. And I look at this paper, and it's a list of what do you own and where is it at and what's it worth and who has access. I said, what do you need this one? Well, they need to know if, if you know, it's worth talking to you or not. And I knew <laughs> what they were doing. I knew exactly what they were doing. So I put down, I had at that time, three grandchildren <laughs> at an unestimated value. I had 11 chickens, but they were all ceramic. I, <laughs> you know, I listed my dog who was a mutt. It probably not worth five bucks. And all this. she said, is this a joke? I said, no, I'm dead serious. And I pushed her aside, and I went in anyway. Yeah, and I want my free so dinner. Sitting, yes, I want my free dinner. And so I'm sitting <laughs> there listening to this attorney talking about what a good deal this was and how you could avoid all kinds of problems if you just did estate planning and everything else and got your got your affairs in order before you needed them and all of that. Mm. And I stood up and said, how come you haven't told them that if they end up in probate, which they will, that all of these plans will mm. be cast aside? Yes, None of this is right. going to come to – and no. they threw me out. I didn't no, get to finish no, my no. steak dinner. I was upset. No. And um, uh, but well, a lot of people kind of looked at me. That's why. Yeah, and a lot of people <laughs> looked at me. There's examples. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna, I was gonna say there's examples. If the person who wrote the um the message to you, if you go over to shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page, there's numerous examples. The court documents. Um, the Tarkini family. I'm thinking of right away. I mean, throwing out power of attorneys doing wills i mean they find the hidden wills um my family personally it was an unsigned unnotarized will that the guardian quote quote found and that's the one that they went with and Uh i mean it's just it's all over the place so having your paperwork in line no you're not safe if you think you're safe and and all they're doing is collecting information on what you own where it's at what it's worth it's a, a databasing and um, yeah. they just wait for the opportunity to suck you into the system. It can be a hospital visit. It can be any number of things can can trigger this. And it can simply yeah. be yeah. business is slow, goes through the files, and see what that's we right. got. Uh, that's it, that movie I yeah. care a lot was basically what it was, April Parks, based oh. on April Parks out of Nevada. And that was mm-hmm. business oh, yeah. was slow. She tells her secretary, pull the trigger on this one. They're databasing. Don't give people mm-hmm. this information. Don't do it. Yeah. And uh, keep what you own mm. to yourself, even to your family, because yeah. you don't know who's going to turn on you. You just do not. And um, Spread your money around just, into different banks and start yes. unloading it. When you get older, start unloading yep. it. Don't, yep. don't, don't, don't be stuck with it. There are ways yep. to um, 
Look, I, I recently engaged in a top law firm. Well, look, I'm an accountant by trade, and 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 I, and I understand powers of attorney, trusts, my background, wills, all of that. And I too, and I don't judge anyone who believes, because it is that I, I, I don't judge. I I too believe that a, a power of attorney and a will was, you know, was was sufficient. I should say. To, to protect my mm-hmm. loved ones, not knowing that, um, you know, who would think that there are people running around changing wills on your parents yep. the last minute as they're dying? I had no idea because it, it doesn't appear in the public, right? We don't hear these stories often. We we may see one every two years appear in the, pub, in the media, but you don't see that constant... Um, story after story, like we did recently with with aged care. So you don't see that. So, like like most people, I believed. Um, look, I'm a married woman, so my husband's naturally next of kin. No, he's not. The guardian can override that under the law, yep. which really shocked me. Yeah. Um, powers of attorney. You know, the minute I lose capacity, they kick in. No, they don't. They can be suspended by your tribunals. No one knows that. That your wills are valid well they might be valid but then you might be signed up to another will as you're dying and we see it often a week two weeks before someone dies, a new will appears mm-hmm. um you know the neighbor recently i had a, a story where the neighbor um popped in it was yesterday i spoke to this this lady the neighbor popped in and signed her mum over to new powers of attorney and wills i mean absolutely shocking a neighbor you know for a cup of coffee well her friend that also attended was a lawyer, wasn't she? So lawyers are now paying home visits. So, you know, it's almost become quite frightening. So then then, then I have the, the others that tell me, oh, but I have a trust. I have all my assets in a company or a trust. Well, by taking over your identity, they also take over the directorship of companies. Trusts can be reversed. They can be stripped back. Remember, they take your identity. They become you. So they strip it all back under your using your name. So there right. are ways to protect yourself, but wills, powers of attorney, they should mean something, and they don't. And it's an I call oh. it the illusion of safety. It's an illusion, it, and it's a comfort for people, but it's not real. Right. You need there, to another really... Thing. Yeah, scary. Yeah. Another thing, uh, when they tell you, when I've seen people get hit with, uh, you violated patient privacy, HIPAA. Well, first off, HIPAA <laughs> does not apply to the patient. HIPAA is a protection for the doctors to protect them from malpractice, misdiagnosis, uh, mm-hmm. mistreatment of the patient. That's what it's about. But they sell it as though it's a patient privacy on their files. No, So you can't find out what they did wrong. But since they gave your identity to the guardian, whose who's, who's patient files are you revealing? Because okay. that, that guardian has no patient files. And even yeah. though they're using your name, they have no files. So if I, like you say, you were under guardianship and I exposed your patient files, what they had done to you, they can't do a damn thing to me because you are not you. They said so. They said so. <laughs> and this is, you know, 
you know, we've got about five minutes left here. I want to go back to what I said at the opening of the show. Every bit of this, every bit of it is happening right under the noses of federal and state legislators, the DOJ, Mm -hmm. the FBI, governors, states, attorneys general. It's happening right under that they are fully aware yes. of what is going on, and we cannot get an honest response to that out of a damn one of them. We get no. these damn fluff and buff bills that do nothing with there's one circulating now that virtually is supposed to be about visitation, but when you read through the bill, it doesn't yeah it, it's it's iffy. It could work, but more than likely it's not going to. Mm. But this is the best we get from these very people that we elected and put in office who sit and let this happen. And not only let it happen, take money from the people who do it, the Bar Association, the National Guardianship Mm -hmm. Association, the College of Probate Judges, Mm -hmm. and... Excuse me. And they take money from them and they sit there silently. I cannot tell you how many I have talked to. Oh, I'm going to have to look at, oh, this is just the worst thing I've ever heard. I'm going to have to do something about it. And nothing happens. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. No. And one of the biggest, biggest things, dents we made in this was when we were given an opportunity to speak at the Whistleblower Summit. This was not supposed to happen. This put it right in their front yard. And how dare I go out in the public on that venue and speak about this when they were working so hard on changing it. You wasn't working on a damn thing. Mm-hmm. What you were working on was trying to figure out how to shut me up. But this opened the door. Um, and we need more time like that. We need more public venues, which I believe Marcel is working on, um, to get this information out there. The summit has done more to expose this issue to the general public than I think any other thing that we've done. And now we have people coming like you, Chris, from other countries talking about they're doing the same thing here. They're doing the same. Japan, um, the people writing me from Japan talking about that people – in Ireland, people talking about mm-hmm. so-and-so lived next door to me. He was an old man. They came and took him, and nobody's seen him since, and they sold all his yep. stuff. Uh, yep, it yep. just goes on. But we've got about three minutes. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to call thank in. You. And uh, Kazi, as so. always, <laughs> you know, <Uh-oh. laughs> it's always great to have you. And, uh, thank you. We will be back yeah, Friday night with Marcia Southwick again. Yeah, and you know that's going to be an explosion. And uh, Chris, well, if you're not doing anything, you need to join in. Yeah, <laughs> but okay, we'll going to report the FBI actually did their job in New Mexico, so we are excited to hear about that. Yes, <laughs> we don't get uh-huh. excited a about bus. a whole lot anymore. But uh, <laughs> we're going to keep working with Australia. And oh, Chris, quickly before we have to, we just got a short time here. Uh, you're up for another uh, 60 minutes coverage, aren't you? No, 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 no. We're, we're, what no, we're doing no. is, um, no, no, not 60 minutes. ABC have been, it's ABC. the ABC here. They're, they're doing a lot of reports, which is good. 
um, the media yes. are starting to uh, be um, starting to understand. I think the media really get it that there's, there's an issue, and, and I do understand. Look, it, it it is surreal. Like it's it's a bit of a shock, but I think it's it's similar to all the other exposés in aged care. It's been going yeah. on for so long, and the question is. How have they been able to get away with this for so long? Yes. Because no one knows it's, it's happening until they're caught in it. And it's um, and it's, it's that type of... Until, until you see it and, and become a victim, you don't believe it. It yeah. is unbelievable. Well, and that's... That, that and the protection they're getting from the government itself, just like they are here. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. We had a bang-up crowd this evening. I'm glad to see it. And... Uh, we will be back, like I say, Friday night. Lord knows what's going to happen between now and now and then. But anyway, everybody, thank you, Kazi. Thank you, uh, Ka- thank you. Chris. As always, thank you. it's just great having you on. And we will talk to you all on Friday. Have a good evening, everyone. Good night. Good, good night. Good night. night.